let's, let's look at Isaiah chapter 61. If you've been a student of the Word for any length of time, you're familiar with this passage. But I want to read it to us again. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages. Jesus quoted it when he began his ministry. And since we're continuing the ministry of the Lord, we're going to claim it for ourselves. Okay? This is not so we put ourselves on a pedestal and say, look at us. But this is so that we can take confidence in the fact that he is working in us and through us, and we can stand up and do the things that God calls us to do. It calls us to do. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 61, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. When it speaks of poor, he's not just talking about those that are financially destitute. He's talking about people who are destitute people who find themselves lacking in any kind of way. There's people we come in contact with, contact with every day that are lacking. They are destitute. They are missing things in their life and are finding themselves that, that, at a loss. They may not have an answer to a problem that they have. They may have an ailment that needs to be remedied. They may have a financial uh, situation that, that they, that they are, uh, find themselves caught in. It may be a relationship that's destructive or harmful. It may be a, a drug addiction or a, a chemical dependency that, that they have grown to be ensnared in and they can't get free from. But they are find themselves poor. They do not have what it takes to get themselves free from their situation. But it says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to those people who have need. It's easy to identify a need. What's difficult is to find people who are willing to bring good news. That is the mantle of anointing. That is the mantle of calling that God has placed on our lives. Not just on the people who stand behind the pulpit, but if you're a child of God, God has called you to be a bearer of good news. How many of you would say, that Jesus lacked the ability to do what he needed to do when he was on the earth. How many of you would venture to say that somehow that, that the anointing that was on Jesus' life limited him or, or did not give him enough to be able to accomplish what he'd been sent to do? There's nobody in here that knows the Lord that would say that somehow Jesus lacked. The scripture tells us that that same spirit that dwelt in Jesus has come to dwell in the lives of the believers. So who are we to when a situation arises or a circumstance arises where there is a need for a Holy Spirit anointing, there's a need for divine insight or divine um, uh, uh, encouragement or strength, to any, in any way feel like that we are limited to be able to do or to say what needs to be said. That same spirit that Jesus spoke about that had anointed him to bring good news has anointed us as well. What we need to do is overcome the limitations that are right up here that tell us that I need to find somebody else. I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, I'll give, I'll give, there, there may be some situations or circumstances where I'm going to look for someone that's got a different kind of expertise and I have their exposure maybe a little bit different. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to things of the Spirit, that same Spirit dwells in us. 
We can proclaim the good news. And then he says, and he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Hallelujah. I've traded my sorrows. I've traded my shame. The time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against his enemies. It says, to those who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes and joyous blessing instead of mourning, instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And then this next part is the part that I really want us to focus on today. In their righteousness, they will be like Great oaks is how it says in the New Living Translation. They will be called oaks of righteousness, it says in the, the, the NIV. That the Lord has planted, great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory, his own good pleasure. God established them, God placed them, God put them exactly where he wanted them to be. Some of you may be looking at your situation or your circumstance and you're like, Lord, why am I here in this job? Why am I having to deal with this family member? Why am I having to go through this circumstance or this situation? Sometimes you may end up at the doctor's office and you're like, Lord, I don't understand why I'm here at this doctor's office. Well, it may not be about you. It may be that there's someone, someone else there that needs the Jesus Christ that's inside of you. And I just want us to start getting this perspective. Understand, and this is something that, that just rings in my spirit. It's something that's been integrated in the fiber of my being. And that is, see yourself as a strategic planting of the Lord. Now, you may not be fixed with roots in the ground like a tree would be. But understand that the place that God has you as you're mobile and moving around in your car and as you're going out to work, as you're going to family situations, or you're, you're in associated with people, your, your foundation is secure, but you are strategically there in every situation. God's been reminding me this just in the last couple of weeks. I've had some divine appointments from the Lord that... God's gracious to me because people, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I love the Lord. I'm passionate about that. But I'm pretty lighthearted on the average, average day, okay? I, I just, I, I tend to be kind of spontaneous in things and, and just go with it. But, but God knows me in that way, and God knows how to, to deal with me about that. Um, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but there had been something that I wanted to do with regards to the Family Fun Day coming up this weekend. And let me pause for just a minute and say, look, we had almost 20 people, or right around 20 people that came out yesterday and gave their Saturday to come and work here at the church and do all kinds of things from working on the flower beds to the lights and the cleaning and all kinds of things just to get us ready for spring. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking that part of your day and your time and, and, and sowing that. I know there's people who wish that they could have been here, but either physical limitations or time limitations, things like that, kept you from being able to do that. But thank you so much for, for giving to the Lord yesterday. And um, I did a lot more than just text during that time. But, uh, but I just want to say thank you for that. And I know that it's asking a lot 
But I hope that you're as excited as I am about the opportunity that we have this next Saturday down here at, at Toys and Up Park. Um, I just want this family fun day. We've got banners up there. And you know what they say? They don't have crosses and they don't say come to our church's family fun day. They say family fun day. Everybody welcome. Free food, entertainment, and, and, and fun. Come on down there. And you know what I've done? Because God put it in my heart. This is, this is the point what I was trying to get to a while ago. God knows how he works with me because God put it in my heart to invite some of the local churches to come be with us. Put the, look, we're having a fun, family fun day, a community outreach. You're welcome to bring your church down there and join with us and, and, and enjoy the fun and reach out to people in our community. Why not? We're, we're the kingdom of God, right? We're, we're God's family together. So we've invited a few of the local church, this Williams Chapel right down here, and then on the corner, I can't remember, they've got a new name on the corner, but I can't remember what, what that is, but I invited them to come, and, and other believers, if you know, welcome people to come down there and be a part of, of that, and let's just have a, a good fellowship time together and, and sow into the lives of people, and we're going to have people there to pray for people, so we'll pray for an anointing on those, but God put in my heart to, anoint, to announce those churches. I'm going to tell you, last Saturday night, I'm sitting at my house and prepping for the service, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot to contact those churches. And uh, I thought, you know, they're going to be meeting with their people on Sunday morning, and that's the best time for them to tell them about it. And so I'm like, Lord, I missed it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And God said, David, you got another week. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, God knows my tendency sometimes to get caught up in whatever I'm doing that day, and I'll forget about the big thing that's down the road because I'm excited about what's going on right now. But God gave me an extra week because he knows how long it takes for my factory process to work. Do I can get to the point? And so this week I typed up a letter and, and, and uh, tried to make contact with people. I didn't have phone numbers or things like that, but I posted things on the door of their church <laughs> for the pastor so that they could make their people aware of it. So hopefully we'll see some of them come and join us. My point in that is that God knows how you work. God knows the mechanisms that he put inside of you that make you uniquely you. He knows how to work with us. See, I did come further back here. This week, I'm on the way home on, on Wednesday night, and uh, I was going down Highway 301, and on the way, can we just be real? Um, I, I'm on the way home, and all of a sudden, the thought comes to mind and says, you need to stop at Dollar General and get some toilet paper. If there's one thing you don't want to run out of at the house... My son's called it the walk of shame. <laughs> Where you're in there and you realize you don't have anything, you have to go find something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we did, I'm thinking, I don't know that we're about to run out, but I definitely don't want to run out, so it must be a God thought. So I thought, well, I'm going to pull in. And my first thought was, I don't want to go to Dollar General. I want to go to Food Line. They got more stuff, you know, but you end up buying more stuff. Anyhow, I tried to resist that, and then all of a sudden again, I felt like, you need to go to... Dollar General. I'm okay, I'll go to Dollar General. Well, then I second-guessed myself pulling in the parking lot because as I'm pulling in the parking lot, there's no cars. And I thought, they're already closed. It must have just been your own mind, David. You know, you were missing it. You weren't hearing what you thought you were hearing. So I'm just second-guessing myself. But when I pull in on the sign, it says they got 20 more minutes to stay open. So I thought, well, there won't be too many people in line. So I go in there and I go ramble around and find the right brand and then I come to the counter and I set it on the, set it on the, the counter and the lady said, you definitely don't want to run out. It's obvious, you know, I, it's the only thing I'm purchasing, so that was the purpose for the trip. 
And um, anyhow, I put that on the counter, and I'm sitting there, and the Spirit of the Lord just got my attention, and I said, look. I said, can I just say something to you? I said, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I said, but I'm a, I'm a, a pastor. I said, I believe somebody's here that needs a word of prayer. I said, does anybody here need a word of prayer? And there was only two people standing behind the counter. And the lady just kind of dropped her arm. She said, there is something going on inside of me. I don't know what it is, she said, but I just do not feel good. She said, I don't have any insurance, and I've got a teenage son. And so um, I said, well, God cared enough about your situation to send someone by to pray for you. And then the girl beside her said, well, I need prayer too. And then someone came walking up to the counter, a customer, and she said, well, I need prayer. Could you pray for me? <laughs> so I said, look, we're just all going to pray, okay? Let's bow our heads. And so we went to praying for them right there in that place. And folks, God used the foolishness of telling me I needed to go get toilet paper. You know what? We needed toilet paper. I didn't know about that, but I just wanted, I, what I want to get across is this Christian life and living, living with the Lord and walking in the Spirit is not some difficult, distant, faraway thing. What you need to learn to do in life sometimes is just pick up your feet and flow with the river and learn to hear what God's saying to you and just respond to it instead of playing all the head games with a law-like food line instead of, well, maybe tonight's a Dollar General night. You know, you don't know what God might get you into when you go there. But just flow with the Spirit of the Lord. God's made us a strategic planting in this. I wish that was about that much bigger. But a strategic planting of the Lord. God's got you in places and circumstances and situations. And you're going through stuff. Some of you are wondering, why am I having to go through this? It doesn't seem right. Maybe he's got you going through the, it doesn't seem right because he's got you in a different place because there's a need. So why not let him use you right where you are? Don't want to have to be at the doctor's office? Maybe God's got a need at the doctor's office. It's not so much that you need the doctor's office as the doctor's office needs you. It may not be that you've got the toothache because you're not at the dentist's office because of that. I had to go get some teeth worked down a few weeks ago. Maybe they needed you. They needed God and God sent you. So learn to reinterpret how you see life in light of the kingdom of God and the fact that God is reigning in you and God is wanting to reign through you and God's wanting to interject his kingdom into your circumstances, into your associations, into the places that he sends you. He is not just making you go through a difficult place. He is sending you to bring light into a difficult situation. It says that they will be oaks of righteousness. How does it say it here? That they will be like great oaks. You know what's amazing about a great oak or a grand oak? We all look at a beautiful oak like that. I don't know if you do. You may not do this. I do this. But I'll go down the road and I see a big, beautiful tree. And I, it's a beautiful thing, like a thing of art to me. I love it. I love seeing a, a big, majestic-looking oak stand out there. You know what? It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. What, is, what has made that oak majestic like that? It has stood the test of time. We can look at that oak and say, that's a beautiful tree. We haven't seen or we don't recognize how many winters that oak went through. 
We don't recognize how many storms and hurricanes and strong wind fields that storm has had, that, that oak has had to stand through. But the lasting testimony, the, the legacy that has been instilled through that demonstration of that grand oak there is the fact that it has stood the test of time. It has stayed rooted and grounded. It has not allowed itself to get pulled up no matter how hard the storm, no matter how cold the winter has been. It has stood the test of time. It all begins with just a little acorn about that big. But there's something inside that acorn that begins to go to work. It's just a little old dead thing that, that lies on the ground you don't think anything about, but there it's been infused with life. It's been infused with a purpose. It's been infused with a plan that if we look at that oak, we would never perceive what it could be. It just looks like a lifeless little shell with a little nutty something in it that tastes very bitter to us but deer-like. And squirrels. But it doesn't look like much to us. But in God's eyes, God knows what he put on the inside. Being the mischievous father that I have, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pick on you, Chris, but I'm going to talk about you. Uh, being the mischievous father that I am, many years ago when Christopher was no more than about six years old, we were out there, I don't know if we're working the garden, but we were over here on Longleaf Drive, and in the area of our, I know y'all probably don't get weeds in your yard, but we got weeds in our yard. We had this area where we have, uh, had irises growing there, and in the middle of the irises, there was this pine tree coming up there, and it was doing pretty good. It was about that high, and uh, I spoke to Christopher. He's about six years old. I said, Christopher, would you just reach over there and pull that thing up? So he reached over and grabbed a hold of that pine tree and just snatched it right up out of the ground. And I interpreted it in a different way. Now, let me just tell you something about Christopher. Christopher, from when he was very young, if you have been around him long enough, you know he loved facts. He loves facts. He loves details. He loves information, things like that. But he has, from a very early age, been very um, consistent with wanting to define something as truth. He does not like misinformation. He does not like someone saying things incorrectly or not telling the facts about something right. It, it's almost something that he is compelled to do that when he hears something that's off, he wants to bring it back on track. He wants to give the right information. So that's all good stuff, right, Chris? What, what bugged him to no end when he was that little six-year-old guy out there was the fact that I said, I, I, I told people that Christopher with one hand pulled a whole pine tree up out of the ground. <laughs> he said, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. But it was just a little pine tree. I said, but it was still a pine tree. And he just, it was too much. He just couldn't stand that. It bothered him. It, I don't know if it bothers you now, but it just got a hold. I said, you did with one hand. You pulled a whole pine tree. He's so strong. And, and he, it was, wasn't it? It was a whole pine tree. It was just, it wasn't a full-grown pine tree. But he was able to uproot that, that pine tree with one hand. But I want to say this, that in that one little pine tree, Chris, yes, it wasn't a big pine tree, but in that one little pine tree stood everything that it needed other than the process of time and drawing from the resources that were around it for it to become all that it was destined to be. 
And you know, there, we can go through that argument. Is it, a, is it a, uh, an, an acorn or is it a tree? Is it an acorn or is it a forest? It all de- depends on the perspective. It all depends on the perspective. But God wants us to understand that what he is working inside of us is much bigger than what we can perceive based on our current circumstances and our current standing in life. But what he has spoken over us, the spiritual DNA, if I could put it that way, that he's put inside of us is much greater because it's from his perspective, not from our perspective. We can look at ourselves and we look at ourselves based on our current environment and our, our, our the, perhaps the history of where we've come from and we see all the limitations and the things that we have not or could not have done. But God looks at us with, in the light of the grand oak or the forest that he can accomplish through us. And if I can say that, say this, this is the DNA that he's implanted inside of us. Let's talk about DNA for just a little bit, okay? DNA is the thing that distinguishes us from a rock. Hopefully there's a little bit more than that. But from inanimate objects, living things are distinguished from non-living things based on the fact that they have DNA. There is a blueprint, a grand design. It's not just the things that are the elements that are a part of it, but it is that there is a purpose, that there is a design behind that living thing that causes the elements that are in contact with it to be transformed to bring about that design. Did you get that? I want you to get that. Understand, a rock is just a rock. It's just, it's just going to be a rock until it gets crushed. It's not going to transform into something new. It's going to be a rock. All those elements that are there are going to be a part of that rock until, until all of a sudden it gets crushed or broken or cut or something like that, but even those parts are going to splinter and they're still going to be the same thing. They're not going to change. But a, a, a living being has got a pattern that's a part of it, a pattern, a blueprint on the inside, and that pattern and that blueprint governs its existence more than the current elements. Do you realize that the parts of my body that are here today will not necessarily be the parts of my body that are here seven years from now? There will be new nutrients that come into my body. There will be transformations that happen inside of me. And this physical body that I have right now will be changed within seven years. The cells will have been replaced. There may be some parts that still remain. I can't go through all of that detail. Y'all have to dig that out yourself. But for the most part, God is bringing new parts to my body and he's releasing old parts of my body. But hopefully in that process, there is a transformation that's continually going on inside of me that takes me down the road according to the blueprint that God put inside of me. Isn't that interesting? I got to looking at DNA. Did you know did you know each cell, I could sit here and scratch myself right just like that and it's part of me down there. They could come in here with forensics and find the evidence of my physical signature just because of a few skin cells. A bloodhound, they say a bloodhound can go through the road. A car can go down the road, you know, like when someone has been abducted, they could put a bloodhound on that trail. And a bloodhound can follow the trail of the skin cells that left that body as the car is going down the road. 
and can tell whether or not the, the, the car continued down the highway or whether it went up the ramp. Just by the passing of that individual through that area, the bloodhound knows whether or not to go down the highway or go up the ramp. While the person's in the car. Isn't that amazing? Because there's a DNA signature that's trapped in, inside each one of us. Did you know, know that the DNA, and just within the last several years, you know they, they decoded the human genome. You know, okay, I know I've tried to speak about the mathematical probability of creation and things like that to y'all a while back and completely lost everybody. But I do appreciate the fact that a lot of you made the most of it and got some good rest that day. <laughs> so we're not going to go too deep into that. But what I do want to tell you is this. If you were to take the DNA out of one of your cells and stretch it out, do you know how long it would be? Now, we're talking about something you can't even see. But the DNA inside that one thing, if you just stretch it out, they said it would be, one thing said, uh, said two meters, one said, said three meters. And we just went metric, so that lost most people. But somewhere, how, how long would you say that is, Ben? We lost our math teacher. <laughs> Help us. Anyhow, it, it's, it's, it's in the neighborhood, I would say, of probably six feet. We're going to throw that out there. Around six feet. So one cell's DNA, if you stretched it out, have you got it? Yeah, okay. See, I grew up. I grew up with metric overseas, and so I had to come to the states and learn the American system. And I get lost in it sometimes, right now. And when I try to convert the opposite way, it gets confusing for me. Miles and kilometers, I can pop them just like that. I confused my teacher in school, but I might be digressing. Okay, the DNA code is about six feet from one cell. They say that you've got about ten trillion cells in your body. So in your individual body. If they were to take all of your DNA strands and stretch them end to end, they said it would, it would take, hold on, let me get to my notes because I'm confusing myself. That, it was too big a number. That's why I had to come back and check on it. They said that the, the, the DNA strands in your body, if they were put end to end, are long enough to go from the earth to the sun 100 times. What an amazing fearfully and wonderfully made person that you are. I'm only talking one person from here to the sun 100 times. I wanted to say 10, and that's why I went and checked, because it said 100 times. That's how much God, that's how much God invested into the purpose and plan for your life. He coded you for the purpose and plan that he had for your life. Among, you know, there's the, the, the chromosome pairs, the chromosomes in our body that, 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 that give the blueprint for who we're going to be. That just, do you, you realize that every human being that's ever existed in the earth, that from the first two that existed, that the probabilities, the possibilities for every human being and the way we look, our shape, our size, all of that had to be coded into those two, the potential. And then throughout the course of time, the, the, all the people that are born and lived, their coding came from that original pair. That's amazing. That all of, all of the differences that we see right here in this room, from height, 
you know, the, all the different things you can see, everything that we see about ourselves. They say that among the human, human population, there is only like a 0.1% variation. We are that much like each other. We may look physically different from one another. I look different than Greg. If you saw he and I standing together, he's the one with the hair. Okay? You can tell us apart. But no matter how much we physically look, it, when you go down to our DNA, the chromosomes and the things that make us up, that we're only about 0.1% different than one another. I mean, I'd make it just a statement to go back. We, we are so... Humanity always finds a way to divide and separate, and I'm not like you, I'm not like you, I'm not like you, I'm like these people, and I'm going to... When it all comes down, there's only one human race. There may be different languages, there may be different ethnic groups, there may be different backgrounds, and things like that, but there's only one human race. All of the variation in all of humanity is less than 0.1%. All of that difference, when it comes down to what we're really made up of, we're God's creation. And I want, I want, to, say, I want to say something about this. There, there's, oh my goodness gracious, what's new? We spend a whole lot of time focused on our physical DNA as the blueprint for who we are. And we understand that there are certain things, and science looks into this, and they say, oh, because you've got this DNA, you've got this heritage, and this has been passed down through your, your family's line, then you're subject to, you, you, it's possible that you may have to deal with this. We understand a lot about the physical genetics and things like that and that there's patterning there. Now, I'm going to tell you, God can intervene. God can do things. Just because somebody is genetically, they say, predisposed to uh, a vulnerability to alcoholism or something like that doesn't mean you have to take a drink, right? There's a lot that God has given us the ability to reign over in our life. There's things that we can change, that we can avoid, and that God can intervene and supernaturally do to break that chain in our family lineage. I believe, I believe God can change it. We know that it's possible to have genetic mutation. That can happen. Why can't God change a bloodline? That change that heritage. Just completely wipe it out. Make it a non-event. So be it, Lord. So we understand more about the physical DNA and how that affects our lives and how that predetermines our hair color and predetermines what, whether our hair is curly or straight or wavy or falls out or doesn't. And, and you know, I could go through so, so many different aspects of it. I don't want to take time with that. What we don't understand is, and I forget, if I could, I may be stretching a little bit to say it this way because I'm, I'm going to use the term our, our intellectual or our, our, let me just say our intellectual DNA, Okay. I'm gonna, and I'm just going to say, that's not a thing. So let's just say our intellectual blueprint. Um, our intellectual blueprint is really something that develops over time. The people that we hang around, the household that we grow up in, our childhood experiences with our friends and with our schools, the things that we experience as we get a little bit older when we start going to work and whether or not somebody breaks us down or whether they build us up, whether they promote us or whether they're just to us or not just to us, it creates, in a sense... A, 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 an intellectual blueprint for our lives that if we're not careful starts to judge and starts to bend or influence it can affect for good and it can affect for bad the ability for us to carry out with these physical bodies that have a 
physical DNA, it can affect whether or not we can fully interpret, carry out, fulfill the spiritual DNA part that God put in our lives. Understanding when it all comes down to it, the most important part of our life has to do with the spiritual DNA. That spiritual DNA is something that God gets at work within us, expecting us to be working on our part because it's not something that just happens. It's something that God wants us to be inter integrated with and to be working with him in so that we can accomplish the purposes. See, he's put a will inside of us, and he's got a grand plan. We, uh, uh, Carolyn mentioned uh, uh, um, Jeremiah 29. We know the plan. God knows the plans he has for us. God's got a purpose and a plan. He's got a, a DNA that he put inside of us that he desires to carry out with our life. But God has chosen to do it this way that he asks us to get involved with it with our will. That we take that blueprint that he tries to speak into our lives. He gives us his word and he gives us promises about what he wants to accomplish through us. He may speak individually to us and give us an idea or a thought, something that he wants to do with us, but he's put it in place such a, in such a way that he wants us to interact with him. That it is the yielding of our members to that process that allows what God's purpose is to be accomplished in us. We start out just like a little seed. But the course of life and the yieldingness to the purpose and plan of, of God and the willingness to stand in the middle of the storm is what enables him to produce that oak of righteousness that becomes a testimony and a display to the world about what God can do. Amen? I went through with the Lord's help. Let me just say this. What was God's plan? I've been talking, I started out day. and I said, we need to reign with Christ. Understand, reigning with Christ is not about having perfect circumstances. It's about what we do in the middle of our circumstances. Did you get that? It's not about having perfect circumstances. It's about what we do in the middle of our circumstances. <clears throat> The original purpose of God that he, he blueprinted all of mankind with was, is in Genesis chapter, 20, chapter 1, 26 and 28. Let us make man in, in our image to be like us, and they will reign over. God wanted us to reign. He comes on down to verse 28. Be fruitful. This is his blessing over mankind. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God wanted man to govern and to reign in the earth. There's a lot of scriptures. It says that the Lord will reign forever and ever. Um, um, I'm not going to take, take the time to, to go through all this. But I know in, in uh, 2 Timothy 2 and 12 it says this. If we endure hardship... We will reign with him. If we endure hardship, understanding that's just not letting hardship pummel you and beat you up and everything like that. Folks, we've got to turn hardship around. There, we have difficult situations. There's not one person in this room that hasn't faced a difficult situation and is not possibly even facing a difficult situation right now. But the question is, are you going to allow that Hardship to uproot you? Are you going to allow that hardship to bend you and break you? 
Or are you going to stand on the foundation that's been given to you and find the heaven purpose in what you're involved in? I'm going to tell you, sometimes things are difficult, and we just need to look out there and say, look, I need prayer. I need someone to help me. Would you stand with me? Would you? I need some encouragement. I'm going through a hard time. And that's completely okay. What is that doing? That is causing us to put those roots down and not just, sometimes you've got to curl your toes to hang on. So let your spiritual roots reach down into something that is sure-footed, sure, sure, uh, a sure foundation, and just curl your toes. Hang on. Let God reign through you. In Revelation chapter chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed are the holy, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. I, I can't help but go back and think about Daniel in the Bible. You know, Daniel was a, a promising young man. He had, he had a bright future there in, in Israel. Um, he was of, of good standing. He was a smart young kid. Things were looking good, except for the fact that there was a foreign empire coming, and that empire came and conquered the nation of Israel. And here this young boy gets plucked up from his family, along with some of his peer, fear, peers, and get carried away into a foreign land, and they get put into this king's court to serve the king. And his life, let's, can we make it complete? Let's make it real to us. Can you imagine your own son, your own daughter being taken captive and taken over to another land? Can you imagine yourself being completely isolated and removed from your family and put into a dormitory with a whole bunch of other kids? And it's not like I'm here on summer camp. This is it. My nation's destroyed my identity. Everything that I was, everything that I hoped for, it's gone. I don't know what tomorrow holds. This king can kill me. If he's not pleased with me, they can just take my life. Daniel was uprooted and taken to another land. But the testimony of his life was that an excellent spirit was found in him. The spirit of the almighty God was there. And what I'm trying to infuse inside of us, no matter what your circumstances, your situations are that you're going through, there's an excellent spirit inside of you. Daniel served in Nebuchadnezzar's court. He served in, in uh, Cyrus's court. And he served in Darius's court. The legacy of Daniel the captive. Daniel the young boy plucked up from his roots. Daniel the young boy who, who looked like his life had all fallen apart was the fact that he stood on the foundation that he had and he curled his toes and held on. He didn't waver in it. He pressed in. Get that, get that, get that. He didn't waver in it. He didn't crumble under it. He didn't give in. He didn't think God's abandoned me. No, he pressed in. And in the middle of his pressing in, God established him. And you know what? In those foreign lands, those pagan rulers, emperors, depended on the Spirit of God in him. I don't know what your circumstance looks like, but I trust God will give us a new perspective. And can I just, I feel like I want to jump forward in time, and it may be tomorrow, it may be next week or something like that. I'm going to tell you, people in this earth, people right around you are hungry 
for understanding about what it all means. Why are we here? Where does our hope come from? How can we have hope in the middle of these dire situations? So turn back with me to Isaiah chapter 60, and I'm going to close in just a little bit here. You thought I was going to close. Okay, I will be able to close. But understand, I'm, we're getting ready to read something, and I want you to get a hold of it and understand that, that, again, you are strategic planning of the Lord. I believe that we're sitting here looking at oaks of righteousness, oaks that God has established in the faith, oaks that God has been sowing into through years, oaks that God has a blueprint for life, oaks that God has a purpose for, oaks that God has put here for a strategic purpose, and I'm not talking inside this building, we come in here so that we can gra grab a hold of strength so we can go out there and be salt and light out in the world. But God's going to be changing some lives. Listen to this. This is what God wants to accomplish through us. It says Jerusalem, but I'm talking about the people of God, the house of God. Arise, Jerusalem. Arise, people of God. Arise, Jody. Arise, Carol, Ralph, Louise, Randy. I'm not going to leave you all out. Ben, Sherry, Eric, y'all. Arise, everybody, every one of us. Let your light shine for all to see. There's a light inside of you. It's not our light. It's his light. But the light that you have, let it shine. But I, don't, I only know just a little bit. I've only got a little bit of experience. I just gave my life to Jesus yesterday. It doesn't matter. Just takes one little match in a dark room and you can see that match as long as you don't hide it. But I don't, I don't know all that theological stuff. I can't even quote all the books of the Bible. It's okay. Quoting the, books of the, quoting the books of the Bible is not a requirement to get into heaven. Okay. You may not always get them in, in order when you try to number them off, but I tell you what, just let your light shine. Let your light shine. What's important is that you take what you have and you'd be willing to share it with people that are in need. It may only be five loaves and two fish. Put it in God's hands and see what he can do with it. It may only be a little sling, and you may be too young to qualify, but yield yourself to God, and God will take down a giant with a sling. You may think that what you have is so insignificant, but it's that, that great one that's standing behind you that makes it, makes it more than adequate for the task. Amen? Arise, shine, for your life, for your, and let your light shine for all to see. I'm trying to go through several different uh, um, um, translations in my mind. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness, as black as the night, covers all the nations of the earth. Think of that. Darkness as black as the night covers all the nations of the earth. You know what happens when you get up in the middle of the night and it's completely dark? I don't know about you, but there's been more than one time that I caught a toe on something. There's been more than one time where I've toppled something over, usually it's me, in the middle of the night because I'm stumbling around. <laughs> What do we think the world's doing out there? Why is it that we see all this foolishness and all this violence and all this searching for some kind of meeting in the wrong kind of way? They're in utter darkness. They don't have the light. We have the light. 
How are they supposed to know how to get things right when they don't have the truth? If we have the truth and we don't share it with them, how do we expect them to do any different? Darkness as black as night covers, envelops, confuses, confuses, trips up all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord arises and appears over you. And get a hold of verse 3. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. And I want you to take hold of that, that verse. All nations will come to your light. This scripture is not about puffing us up and making us feel like we're some great pedestal. Everybody's going to come look at me. No, they're coming looking for Jesus, people. They're coming looking for truth. They've been living in darkness so long, and they're trying to find some kind of meaning to all of this. And God's given us an understanding, but why? Because we've tasted and we've seen that he's good. They're seeing something different. We're all going through the same difficult thing together. Why is it that you're not falling apart? Where does your hope come from? Bad news comes, and instead of just crumbling to the floor and getting all upset and... Uh, and we have emotional moments, but the reality is we get back up and our feet land in the right kind of place because we've got hope. Life's inside of us. Light's inside of us. And there's people all around us out there that desperately need that. I got something going on inside of my body and I don't know what it is. I got a teenage son and I don't have insurance. Well, God loved you enough to send someone to pray for you. Who are you going to come in contact with today that, that needs the light that's inside of you? Who are you going to run across this week? If your plans get interrupted, rather than letting it rash you up and making you uncomfortable, start asking God, have you got a purpose and plan in this? You know, we don't want the enemy to have the ability to harass and to mess us up when it's not God. But when our circumstances change, just be ready realize you're a strategic planting of the Lord. God's got you right where he needs you. So when you get in a place where you didn't expect to be, start asking God, what do you want to do, God? What can we do for you while we're here? We're in the enemy's camp today, so we might as well do some damage. Amen? You are strategically planting the Lord. God is taking light in the darkness through your life. Amen? Just share what you have. It's as easy as pie. Just share what you've got. When you need more, dig in. God will give you more, right? God will take you to new levels. God will take you to higher heights. God will give you greater and, and, and work these gifts through you. But it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I can, we're going to get late in the buffet line if we don't get out of here. So just plain. Look, what God desires is the most important thing that we can do right now. And I know that what God spoke to you today is purposeful nourishment for this day. You are already well fed. Your body might be hungry, but... Look, God's got a whole lot more about this for you than what I just shared with you today. So I encourage you to take some time to dig in. Spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Can we just ask God that not a crumb that he put on the table this morning fall to the ground? We want all of this to be become a part of us. Everything that's from God. The David parts we can leave out, but we want the God parts. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. 
Lord, in the face of the tragedy of Philip dying and going to heaven, I don't even consider it a tragedy, dear Lord. I would like for him to be here longer, but God, I know that you're, you're sovereign. God, I, I yield to you right now. I thank you for his life. I thank you for the people that he's touched, and I thank you for what you're going to do in hearts and lives of people this week just by inspiration. Lord, what you've spoken to us today, I understand, Lord, that we have difficult circumstances, but your desire is for us to reign in life. And God, that we're going to reign with Christ. Lord, you went through hardship and difficulty, but in every situation, we don't even see you having to react to the circumstances, dear Lord. It seems that those circumstances, even though they were difficult, that came to you, you were able to turn those things around for good. You didn't react, you just acted because the kingdom of God reigned through you. God, I pray that you would give us a perspective, dear Lord, that we are your arms, that we are your hands, that we are your feet, that we are your mouthpiece, dear God, here in the earth. And God, you are wanting to release your goodness and your grace and your light and your truth through us into a world that is stumbling around, beaten and bruised because of the darkness that they're living in. Lord, would you just work through us this week to set some people free? Would you set some people free, dear God, and bring truth into their lives? Lord, would you heal some people this week? God, would you give light in the darkness, dear God? Break the chains of bondage, dear Lord, and let your good news soak in and bring life to a dead seed. God, we'll give you the praise and the glory. We understand, Lord, we're just a little kid with a sling. God, but we want to share what you've given us. God, and I believe that what you do when we're obedient to you will be effective to be able to accomplish whatever you need done. So to you be the glory, dear God. To you be the glory. Let your light shine. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.